Well, today I'm continuing our series on the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to be reading from chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. If you, do, if you have a Bible, you might like to follow it. So here we go. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now I'm going to show you a picture of a sportsman. Uh, some of you will instantly recognize him and some of you will have no idea who he is. In some sports, for example, boxing, snooker, and so on, the sports people are given a big build-up before they appear. You may have seen it on TV, outlining their achievements, and then with their theme tune and flashing lights, they are brought onto the stage. In 2015, the BBC described this sportsman as one of the 10 greatest British sportsmen in the last 35 years. In his sport, he achieved, among other things, world number one for 13 years. He won a record 16 world championships, including eight consecutively. In case you didn't know the, the name of the sportsman, it's Phil Taylor. Now I'm going to show you a video snippet of his introduction with his theme tune. Just be aware there are flashing lights. So here we go. See if you can hear what his theme tune is, for that's what I'd like you to notice if possible. Here's a clue. He was known as Phil the Power Taylor. Well, I wonder if you noticed what his theme tune is. It's, I've got the power. And Phil Taylor used that theme tune because he was the power in the sport of darts at that time. Now, of course, we know that the only person who can truly sing, I've got the power, is Christ. Christ, through whom the universe was created, as the Apostle John tells us in his gospel of Christ, he says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. If we saw Jesus in his glorified state, we would, like the Apostle John, fall at his feet as though dead. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Little children may sometimes ask, who made God? <laughs> the answer is nobody. God is and was and is to come. Every living creature relies on God's power to be alive. Of every creature, it's written in the Psalms, when you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, 
they are created. Only Christ can truly say, I've got the power. Furthermore, in the book of Revelation, Christ tells the apostle John, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. In other words, not only I've got the power, but I am the power. But what's clear from this passage in the book of Ephesians is that Christ wants us to experience his power. In fact, Paul adopts the kneeling posture as he makes this prayer. Now, at that historical time, it was more usual to stand to pray. But there's an increased earnestness in Paul's prayer as he kneels in supplication. Now, I know that you can pray in any posture, sitting, standing, lying down, driving the car, and so on. But I did ask myself, when, I, when was the last time I knelt in humble supplication before the Lord? Verse 14, 15, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The sense of family that we have derives from God himself the one who births and cares and corrects and loves, his family in particular, of whom it's written with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Paul prays for this reason, well, what reason? That God's plan is truly cosmic, a plan formed before the creation of the world, a plan initiated through his son, Jesus Christ. He will bring his cosmic plan to fulfillment. And amazingly, we are chosen to be part of it, not on the basis of our goodness, for we were spiritually dead, as we heard last week, but one based on God's unmerited favor. In this passage from Ephesians, Paul uses the word power three times. And it's that thought which I'm going to focus on. I'm going to look at three areas that Paul prays about. First, power for Christ to dwell in you. Second, power to know Christ's love. And third, power at work within you. Let's look at the first one, power for Christ to dwell in you. In verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. First of all, his glorious riches. Now, last Sunday in our live 9.30 meeting, I noticed that our band was lower in numbers than usual. We had three people, a keyboard player, a bass player, and a singer. Now, I get it. It's the holiday season, and people are enjoying a, a well-earned break, I'm sure. But I did wonder if it might affect how I responded, because I, I quite like the worship sound to be quite meaty. However, the first song we sang had these lines in it. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. Now, as I began to think about the truth of that, I suddenly had a sense of entering the tangible presence of the Lord. I immediately felt transported to having a sense of joyful gratitude. I recognized, of course, that it was the very gracious activity of the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit revealing to me again something of the truth what he has done. As I was drawing near to the Lord in worship, he was drawing near to me. You see, I think my experience was of something that Paul is praying here, that out of his glorious riches, I don't know what your idea 
of what God is like is, well, I'll tell you this, he's not out to find fault with you and me, although that wouldn't be very difficult, would it? He's gloriously rich. He's gloriously rich in generosity. He's gloriously rich in faithfulness. He's gloriously rich in justice. He's gloriously rich in creativity. He's gloriously rich in knowledge. He's gloriously rich in truth. He's gloriously rich in wisdom. He's gloriously rich in mercy. He's gloriously rich in love. He's gloriously rich in power. I pray Paul says that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. With power through his spirit. Now, in the early days when I was a Christian, I still am, of course, <laughs> we used to sing a song that went something like this. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll repeat some of the words. All over the world, the spirit is moving. And then the second verse started with, right here in this place, the Spirit is moving. And the third verse started, deep down in my heart, the Spirit is moving. Paul prays that we may be strengthened in our inner being. In other words, at the heart of our emotional, mental, and spiritual self. The inner place where our thoughts and feelings come from that shape how we act, from where our profoundest decisions are made. You see, as Christians, we don't live by a set of rules written on stone, but through the shaping activity of the Holy Spirit in our innermost being. Paul continues in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you're a Christian, you might say, well, surely Christ already dwells in me. Well, that is true, of course. But what Paul is praying here is that Christ makes his home in you. In other words, he's not dwelling as a lodger, someone who has to obey the house rules that I've set. No, it's about him being at home in every room in the house. Now, I appreciate that we're all a work in progress. Actually, in truth, he's the owner of the house anyway. I wonder, are there some rooms in the house of your life where you've locked the doors? Ooh, that room's a, it's a bit messy. I don't want you in here, Lord. Actually, the truth is this, dear friends, no rooms are too messy for God to sort out. Paul prays for Christ to dwell in you. Amazing. But he goes on to pray for power to know Christ's love. And in verse, second part of verse 17 and verse 18, he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, Paul uses two ideas here. The first one is the idea of being rooted. It's a common biblical theme of having roots. Now, there are different kinds of roots, of course. Some roots are not so good. For example, it's possible to have a, a root of bitterness, something someone has said or did to you in the past that gives rise to feelings of anger or unfairness, a root that makes you bitter to that person or that situation. 
or a root of self-pity. Why is my lot not as good as hers? Why am I stuck in this situation when they seem to be sailing through life? Or a root of pride. Well, I, I would never do that. Well, they're in a right state, but, you know, I'm not as bad. I'm quite a good person. But Paul here is talking about being rooted in love. Love that does not boast. It's not impatient. It suffers long. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice in evil, but in the truth. It perseveres through difficulties. It seeks to protect others and never loses hope. Those are some of the qualities of Christ's love that Paul is praying we be rooted in. Good, healthy, strong roots are essential to establish a plant, particularly a tree, for example. And in Psalm 1, the righteous person is likened to a tree planted by streams of water. Paul prays that we may be rooted in love, that knowing and experiencing God's love and forgiveness will get deep into our lives to positively affect every area. And then Paul uses the idea of a building being established. To establish any building, what are you going to need? Well, first of all, you're going to need a good foundation. And Jesus told us to build the house of our lives on solid rock, to build it on him, to live in harmony with him. I wonder, are you building your life on solid rock or shifting sand? Are you continuing to build your life on solid rock? Sometimes we can be deceived into thinking that God wants to rob us of all fun. But Paul is praying that we grow in knowing and experiencing Christ's love that can never fully be experienced as it surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled, Paul says, to the measure of all the fullness of God. What do I take this to mean? <clears throat> I take this to mean that there's always more of who God is to experience. We haven't arrived, we never will, because God's fullness is inexhaustible. It's not just as individuals, but also as us, us as a church community. I read this recently, it takes the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. So Paul prays that we know, have power to know Christ's love. And the third thing is power at work within you. In the end of this passage, verses 20 and 21, Paul prays, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever considered that God's powers at work within you? Well, I'll tell you this, if you're born again, then you have already received God's power. You've been brought from death to life. But God's power is also ongoing. It doesn't stop there. I think that God is gentle with us in using his power. That's been my experience. Let's not forget that the Lord upholds the universe by his word of power. Now, I've seen the power of God at work many ways. I've seen the power of God at work to transform lives. There are people who are watching today who can testify to that. I've seen the power of God at work to uphold people as they go through deep, dark experiences in their life real difficult things. I've seen the power of God cause people to rush out of the room because they can't stand being in God's tangible presence. I've seen the power of God deliver people from addictions. I've seen the power of God deliver people from demonic powers. I've seen the power of God cause people to fall down on the floor. I've seen the power of God bring healing to the sick. 
I've seen the power of God change a nation. Now, some power is sudden and seismic, like a landslide that reshapes a coastline. And some power is granular, like a sand dune blown grain by grain until it's moved to another place. In my experience, God's power is often understated. Like when Jesus raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead and told her parents, don't tell anyone. Or when he cleansed the leper and told him the same thing, don't tell anyone. The point is this, that God's power is at work in you. Now that's an occasion for rejoicing. Thank you, Lord, that your power is at work within me to transform me to become more like you. Power at work within you. Now I started uh, this talk with a video where Phil Taylor came into the song, I've Got the Power, and we know actually that Jesus has the power over all things. And he uses his power very wisely. His desire is to transform you and me into his likeness. He wants us to experience the reality of his love in increasing measure. And Paul prays for that. So what I would like to do, I would like to echo Paul's prayer and pray that for you too today, that you would experience an increasing measure of the love of God, that it wouldn't simply be head knowledge, that it wouldn't simply be theory, but that you would really experience deep in your heart that you're loved by God. Remember, it's through his grace. It's through the loving sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So what I would ask you to do, wherever you are right now, I would just ask you to stretch out your hands as a sign of a desire to receive. And I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can call you Father. It's because of what your beloved Son Jesus has done. Thank you that through his blood we are brought near. We were far away. We were dead. But you've given us life through your blood. Thank you, Jesus. And you call us to experience more of you. And I pray that, Lord, for those who are watching today. I ask in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will come upon them, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit will give them a greater experience of the depths of your love for them, Father. That to quote Ezekiel, not just to go in with their ankle deep or knee deep or thigh deep, but to be able to go and swim, Father, in your river of love. I pray that for them right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that not just for now, Father, but I pray that for the whole of their life, that they will experience the ongoing kindness and love of God who has sacrificed his precious life for them. And I pray for these things in the precious name of your Son and our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, as the band come and lead us in worship, I would encourage you, wherever you are, just to engage in worship and draw near to the Lord. Because as you do, he will draw near to you. Because he loves you and wants to bless you out of his glorious riches. Amen. <laughs>